a good toner, but I think I paint too much. I always wear my mask and wash my hands after going home. I am the king of the ring. Welcome to the Japan What Podcast, episode 110. It is I, Matthew P.M. Bigelow.com. And this is the podcast from Japan that focuses on trends in artificial intelligence, rising inflict in the Indo-Pacific, odd items, news analysis, and more and more, eating those bugs. That's what we do here. Welcome to MatthewPMBigelow.com. That's where you can go to get show notes, photos related to today's show, and a lot more. Welcome you to visit there, shoot us some traffic. Hope all is well. Now, I'm going to begin today. Usually I begin with a uh, odd item that's for sale that for some reason some people think there's a market demand for. Um, like, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is from Japan that people want to think that people need. But we're going to begin today with something called high or not high. High or not high. And today, today's high or not high is going to be called, um, it's always a dude. It's always a dude. Now that the weather is nice and people are out in droves again, uh, we're in the park with the family, two kids, wife, in a kid's zone in Shinjuku Gyoen. It's a national park. No booze allowed. You have to pay to get in. It keeps out the riffraff, and it's generally very friendly. But once you get, like, in, in, the, in the height of the pandemic, there'd be nobody there. And in the height of the summer, there was nobody there. But now that it's really nice out, everybody's there. And as soon as you get, it's like a nice field, this kid zone. And, you know, there's kids running around. It's great. But as soon as you get 100 people, you, you always get the dude. You always get the dude. And there was about 125 people. I did a count um, just looking at who was there running around, kids included. And once you get past 100 people, you always get a dude or two. Uh, case in point. There was a guy there in his late 70s, and I think he was alone, and he had brought in a bunch of uh, paper airplanes, and he was throwing them around by himself <laughs> around the kids. I thought he was somebody's grandfather with a bunch of, like, you know, throwing an airplane with his kid and grandkid, and then other kids come, and they... They go, oh, look at this, and everybody has a good time with the granddad and the kid, and oh, look, our granddad's so cool, he brought all these plays. No, he was just there by himself. Um, and then I heard him talking, and he had that pedophile voice from the family guy. The That's how he was talking to the kids that would come up to him. But his paper airplanes, this is Japan, so of course it's not just some guy with a bunch of full, like, paper airplanes. He had launchers, like uh, elastic band launchers, and these airplanes would fly up and do a whole bunch of spins and then crash down into the into the grass pretty hard and i was like man what if that hits my kid it's gonna hurt because it's made out of like some sort of super hard paper to get these you know planes to be used over and over again and one of them fell by me and i, I looked at it and he had put little foamies on the edges of it so he knew that it was dangerous enough to hurt kids so he was putting foamies on them now, girls don't do that. This is not something that women ever do. 
and it's always a dude. And it's always once there's enough people, you always get a dude who's going to be like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up with my pedo voice in a bunch of airplanes and try to play with the kids in the park. Always a dude. Next, there was three always a dudes there. Another guy, I think a gaijin guy, um, brought in his electric radio RV car, you know, a remote, remote, remote control car. It's been so long since I've said these things out loud. And he was okay driving around his car. But, I mean, kids are going to be chasing it and, and jumping on it, hitting it. And if he was a dangerous person, dangerous driver, he well, whatever. I didn't really care that much. But it's always a dude. And, you know, a, a girl, a woman, an old lady is not going to show up at the park with a bunch of remote-controlled cars and chase kids around with them. <laughs> always a dude. Um, last one, and this is a, these are all type of different profiles. The last one was a, always a dude, dude. And this is the type of dad who wants to throw the ball with his son in the park. So they take up a huge space in the park so that they, because it's their park apparently, can throw a ball to each other. And of course they, they, they set up their shop at the entrance to the kids zone. So to get into the kids zone, you kind of have to go past a father throwing his ball to his son and like 50 meters and it's a it, the son is like five years old and his ball is going all over the place as well and they don't even realize that they're like they're sitting in the entrance to the park taking up way too much space throwing a ball to each other always a dude i didn't really care that much the the pedo dude kind of i was like get this guy out of here but the other guys are just it's always a dude and that that was the opening segment to this this show i never ever see women showing up at the park and do these things and it's only when a threshold is met, a hundred people in a, in, a, in, a, in a small enough zone and the weirdos start to shed their skins and decloak and and bring forth their weirdness. It's like a guy at a guitar at a party. Once everybody's had a few beers, out comes the guy with the guitar at the party. And I've been that guy and I've been there. And is this high or is this not high? High or not high? Or is it always a dude or is it not is always it? always a dude? Oh, is it? Not always a dude. It's always a dude. Come on, dudes. Stop being dudes like that. You're the worst. <laughs> Um, and then you extrapolate from there, and it's like it only takes five dudes like that living in a small town of 5,000 people to make it a nightmare for everybody else. All right, let's take a look at the new product. Uh, keep your hands free with this with this backpack umbrella stand. Weird corner. This one's going to be mainly for the picture, and you're going to have to go to MatthewPMBigelow.com to see it, uh, or you can look it up yourself into the internet and try to find the picture there, or just click the link and go to MatthewPMBigelow.com. 
Keep your hands free with this backpack umbrella stand. Nowadays, you'll see tons of people walking on the streets with their hands full. It's only nowadays that's happened. This comes to us from uh, japantoday.com, and I think it's directly from Thanko. Yes, Thanko. Um, one hand holding an umbrella and the other hand holding a portable fan. But what if you could get your umbrella to hook onto something that'll keep you in the shade and free up one hand? That's where this ingenious backpack, ingenious backpack attachment from Thanko comes in. Available for pre-order and set to go on sale for 1980 yen in October. What? October 2023? Well, today's October 3rd, the day I'm recording this podcast, 2023. This backpack attachment allows you to clip your umbrella, making it easier for you to get around and walk around hands-free. Um, I'll be posting pictures of that. All it takes is four easy steps. First, you'll need to clip the attachment onto the backpack strap. Then take the detachable knob <laughs> and fit it to the width of the umbrella's bar. Connect it to the attachment, and you're good to go. Source, Thanko. So thank you, Thanko. And, of course, there's a, a person that looks like a complete idiot walking around with two bags for their shopping and one umbrella sticking out of the attachment that they are using for their backpack umbrella thing. Um classic strange japanese item uh, a lot of these things used to exist like a, a swiss army knife for a farmer <laughs> where there would be you would hold up this giant swiss army knife like five feet long and you would pull out a shovel like it was swivel shovel would come out then you would put that back and then bring out a pitchfork then bring out a rake and this was like an all-in-one tool for farmers so they wouldn't always have to go back to the truck or back to the shed to get more tools you just a Swiss army farmer's shed would be with you at all times. Classic Japan. Weird Corner. We're going to get into Japan Society 5.0 right off the bat today. Nothing too crazy, but actually, no, it's actually very crazy. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. We will have access to the latest medical advancements at a low cost, no matter where we are. AI and robots will enhance human ability and expand our infinite possibilities, helping us enjoy more fulfilling lives. Society 5.0, for the betterment of human lives. All right, and that is a Japanese government initiative, and that was made by the government of Japan. Um, and it's, all, it's an all-encompassing umbrella of uh, terminology that the government wants to utilize to bring forth a uh, new society. Uh, it's digitally based, and um, they want to they use it all 
for all that. And it's, it's kind of going well. It's kind of not going well. But um, one major problem is the amount of uh, weird activism that we now see in all aspects of um, the upper echelons of society, wherever you go. It's like, uh, can't we just make robots that will um, make this thing more efficient? And then they're like, yes, of course. But we also have to consider the SDG goals by 2030. And then all the politicians meet a billion times to talk about that. And then these practical things get kind of pushed to the sidelines because everybody's too busy uh, doing their idiocratic, idiosyncratic navel gazing at events in front of giant LED screens where they sit in these plush chairs and talk to billionaires about what the future is going to be like. Um, but let's take a look. One is, uh, now I, I always say this, but I worked in telecoms industry for about five years as an English teacher, um, focusing on AI trends. The Japanese telecom, one of the major three in Japan had just launched a hundred billion dollar investment into AI. And I was there, to teach the engineers, the AI engineers, and some of the um, upper managers there that were, some of them eventually got into the C-suite of the company um, or, or were spun out to be CEOs for other uh, 5G projects and or not necessarily 5G projects, but 5G-related projects, stuff like that. So it's not like I was like some major important consultant, but I had like a fly-on-the-wall perspective of, of the goings-on at that time, and it kind of led me to believe that there's two ways to approach um, the the super uh, the super surveillance capitalism state. One is is that if we focus on the things around us, um, like the practical applications, it can make our lives better. But as soon as we get into like our minds and what AI is going to do to our brains and all that, it becomes totalitarian like very quickly. And um, e even even the Chinese based social credit score, it's all based on the mentality of its people. Like um, your score is based on your actions and then your actions will determine what kind of a score you get. And if you get a low score, then the facial recognition cameras won't let you use vending machines, for example, or won't let your children go to certain universities or won't let you board on certain express trains and things like that. Or there's even apps that are developed where Chinese people can um, see who is near them that have that have low credit scores and avoid them because being too long around too many people with low credit scores might send your credit score down as well. Um, people can also donate blood to get social uh, score points uh, and uh, haul themselves out of uh, deficit for somehow. And, you know, maybe that's a good way for the Chinese military to create a huge uh, log of uh, blood data and also genetics data for their AI um, weaponization of everything that's going to be going on in the next 10 years. So um, China's already doing it. And uh, other countries understand that this technology is like, if you don't use it or build it up yourselves, then somebody else will. Uh, so there's that. So the first one what we're going to look at is actually probably the good side of society 5.0. And it's, it's like a very simple, stupid idea, but it could make sense. Um, uh, JR, this comes to us from the Mainichi, Japan's national daily since 1922 on October 1st, 2023. JR Kyushu to test multilingual AI attendant from October. Kyushu Railway uh, will begin from October 2nd. That's today. No, yesterday. Begin testing an artificial intelligence-powered station attendant versed in multiple languages. The AI attendant named Miku Nanahoshi will be on duty at four stations. 
Um, I'm not going to name those stations. To offer travelers greater convenience, the AI attendant will be able to offer chat-based guidance on station layouts, show transfer times, and respond to ticket inquiries. Aside from Japanese, Nanahoshi will be able to communicate with foreign visitors in Chinese, Korean, and English. The attendant can be called by tapping the touchscreen on dedicated monitors or by scanning a designated QR code with one's phone. When faced with questions she cannot answer, the attendant will connect with station staff to provide remote assistance. And that's the whole thing. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really need the, the chatbot person there. Uh, actually, why not just have the, the interface? Maybe like an icon maybe would be fine. But... Um, yeah, instead of always having to rely on station staff who might be busy or hungover or not not familiar with that station, there's just an interface and you can go up, select your language, search the train time and look where it is on a map that's displayed on the screen and what, what platform you need to go to. And you don't have to go through a whole rigmarole of waiting in line to ask, you know, stupid questions like this. So is it an AI assistant? Is it? <laughs> Sounds just like a menu item to me, like a, like a non-player character in like a Dragon Warrior video game where you would go up and, and buy a sword and a, and a potion or something like that. And they just kind of are there not as really a, a character in the game, but as somebody that you like a menu that you interface with. So, um, I, you know, good. That's it. It's very simple. The, often the good parts of the, the society 5.0, it's like, here's something very practical. And you're like, that's very practical. And it uses the technology. Yes, it does. Okay. I will use that in the future. Goodbye. It's, it's almost like, um, uh, background level noise and things like that. But that's what all, everything that works is. Like, think about your door handles or how your toilet flushes or the lock on your door. Can you build any of those things? Can you really build a lock? Can you? Like the one that's on your door? Probably not. But it's this kind of like background activity that we all just naturally interface with. And the um, this network-based stuff in the future will have, be along the similar things, uh, like the Internet of Things. Everybody thinks it's a giant flop. Nah, it's just being integrated into everything on a background level, and then we interface with it without thinking about it, just like plumbing in, in a city. It's not like we it's not like we are like, what happened to the promise of plumbing? Eventually, we just the plumbing was there, and we're all using it, and if you're in a good society, you can um, have water that flushes toilet paper and you can have water that you can drink in the same place you know if you and it goes down from there so it just depends on how it's implemented for the people to use it um another one what do you guys think about uh using artificial intelligence for for a uh for i'm sorry for crime prevention um i think it could be good could be good but we would need like a secure layer um, like a hashtag type of layer. Not like what I mean by hashtag isn't like, you know, go bears if you're an NFL fan or like, oh, go uh, Haku Hoto for the sumo champion and, and hashtag Twitter. Uh, a hash code would be just like a very complex encrypted code um, so that people can't abuse the uh, criminal system uh, by way, by pettiness for those that are in control. Uh, they would have to have like limited access to things like that. And like if, if people wanted to search my name and then abuse the system with AI and my name, if they just were able to say my name and then point the camera at me, that might be quite dangerous. But if there's like um, 
an encrypted technology like a hash code and certain people have access to that hash code and it's recorded when they access that hash code, um, then it would prov- it would act as a preventative measure for widespread abuse. And it wouldn't have to be a major um, implementation, but it would be there as like a stop, as a safeguard for, for tyranny, against tyranny. Uh, as opposed to China, where they say we have this very secure data uh, and they record everybody's faces and everybody's addresses and everybody's um, income levels. And then the, some person in the government will assign that data to a university to be studied to develop further AI programs. And then the university just keeps that on an open server with no password. And eventually other people gain access to 10 or 15 million um, women's personal data. And now they can be found wherever they want to be, right? Like that's not what we want. So the abuse could be on like any human that comes across it. So this hashtag level in like a layer in, in the criminal justice system to prevent AI abuse would be quite useful. But anyways, this comes to us from Kyoto, uh, Kyoto News in Tokyo. Japanese police said Thursday they will introduce artificial intelligence technology to identify social media posts in which people are recruited to commit crimes like robbery and fraud. Starting Friday, the National Police Agency will use AI to look for posts promising large payments for yami baito, an, an expression implying shadowy illegal work, coupled with wordings that solicit people to conduct other more specific criminal acts, such as transporting or receiving money obtained via fraudulent means. The concept of yami baito grabbed headlines in Japan recently after a group of Japanese men arrested earlier this year for running scams from the Philippines was alleged to have recruited individuals via social media to carry out a series of robberies across Japan, with at least one resulting in a murder. The Cyber Patrol Center, an organization of unaffiliated an organization unaffiliated with police, is entrusted to conduct the online surveillance work by the agency. So now we are that's interesting. <clears throat> we are in Japan outsourcing AI crime fighting materials. Not good. Using natural language processing technology, the AI will not only look for specific keywords. Oh, wait, this is great for the police agency because if it's abused, the police agency can say, we weren't in control of it. <laughs> We're not responsible for that. That's the great point of AI uh, networks is that middle managers can now put further distance between the, the things that they are responsible for and taking responsibility for them. Um the AI will not only look for specific keywords, but also identify posts suspected to contain harmful information based on the context, the agency said. For the time being, X, formerly called Twitter, and introduction posts and comments on YouTube videos will be targeted for enhanced surveillance, it said. The center will report the data it collects to other outside organization, the Internet Hotline Center, which can request website operators and Internet service providers delete posts it determines to be illegal or harmful. This looks so dangerously stupid. That looks so dangerously stupid. Um, according to the agency, it has requested the deletion of 148 posts between February and June after judging they contain harmful information. Of those, 77 had been deleted by the end of July, with most linked to attempts to recruit people to commit murder and robbery. Wow. Um, okay, well, there we go. Probably not the best way to go about this. Probably not the best way at all to go about this. This should be deeply integrated into 
the Japanese police agencies. They should be setting up a division specifically to hold responsibility and to gain, give some teeth to this. But just requesting social media companies to delete this stuff, I don't know. Is it, is it just like a checkbox? Like, hey, we said we're going to tackle it, and we are, but we're limited by the amount of outsourcing we do and the existing laws on the books. So, yeah, the only thing we can do is look at Twitter, search for keywords using AI neural networks, and possibly identify things that might be killing people, but we don't really know if they are, and if they do, we can't really do much about it, and that's why we're using AI. Who knows why the AI did it? We don't. We're not responsible for it. Somebody else is. And that somebody else is like, I didn't program the AI. This is a software thing. We have to talk to the GitHub people that we copied and pasted it from. And uh, who knows what else was included in that in that code as we put it into the social media networks that scourge the, through Japan's cyber consciousness. Just it's there. Okay. Goodbye. That looks like it has a ton of fucking holes in it. Um, we'll just go through. We don't need to go too much. I'll be posting these links onto MatthewPMBigelow.com if you're interested in looking at them. Fujitsu launches new technologies to protect conversational AI from hallucinations and adversarial attacks. Um, automation lending helping hand to lessen the workload. That comes to us from the Asahi. And this has to do with um, uh, complex manufacturing and the lack of people that can collect what needs to be collected to send it out for delivery. When a trading company receives an order for screws, a massive air, uh, carousel goes in motion and required pieces are delivered to waiting workers below. Um, so... This eliminates, this technology that we're talking about right now, eliminates the need for workers at Sunco Industries Co., a trading company that handles 1.94 million kinds of screws and bolts to scurry about searching for them. Quote, the need to rush around the warehouse within limited hours has decreased, resulting in a reduced physical burden. So we've seen an increase in female applicants making our recruiting process smoother, end quote, said Sunco President Yoshihide Okuyama, 49. Who knows what, why they said it that way. Um, amid an increase in online shopping, automation is lessening the workload in warehouses and logistics with companies using technology to streamline processes and reduce manual labor. Um, Sunco uses automated systems to deliver the company's screws to workers in its warehouse in Higashi, Osaka, Osaka Prefecture. Around 7,000 blue cases are stored in a rotating carousel, which measures 6 meters in height and 17 meters in width, and can move in all directions, up, down, left, and right. Each case uh, contains small boxes holding about 15 types of screws. And, uh, okay, we're, we don't need to go through the whole... Uh, article here but as you can see like as you could imagine 1.94 million types of screws and you have people trying to manage those orders and those orders have to be managed within um legal you know human operating you know, working schedules once you get to this level of sophistication maybe getting rid of the people as much as possible is the best thing you can do just having uh, robotic arms with AI cameras that understand where everything is stored and then using digital twin technology, meaning the, um, the stock is uh, also being stored in the cloud, 
Um, you can automate uh, ordering as well or suggest automated ordering to the managing orderer people to understand when and what parts are needed in advance. And then, uh, you know, using seasonal data, you will understand what parts are needed and when or if there's new construction going up around the the area where this is located, what types of screws you might need to pre-order to meet uh, future demand, all that type of stuff. Um, and and of course, humans, really good human workers can do a lot of that stuff. But with a lot of these warehouse jobs, and I've worked them before, you work there for like two months and quit and move on to something else with your life. Or from the managerial perspective, you're always training people that don't want to be there that end up quitting really quickly. And uh, they take their know-how with them, however limited it is. But with uh, automated systems like this um, inside of a, a place dealing with screws and it's all very regulated items that are easy to identify and they're not too complex. Um, you, you, you remove the need to always be training a bunch of uh, people that don't want to be there that end up quitting and you can build up a, a more powerful, robust system using uh, robotic arms and AI technologies uh, inside of your own company and then increase efficiency and then expand the, the the timing for collection so you can get orders ready more quickly throughout the night or when you don't have enough workers there. It all just makes sense again. It just all makes sense. Um, now, the one that we're going to move on to uh, right now is Prime Minister Fumio Kishida receives the 2023 Global Goalkeeper Award. I'm putting this into Japan Society 5.0 because this ties into everything else about it. Um, Fumio Kishida is seen on this picture that I'm looking at right now. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida. He's holding an award shaped like the wheel of the SDG symbol. And who's giving him this award is Bill Gates. This is a coming to us from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation issuing global goalkeeper awards and this is all about being mr sdg now when we focus too much on this kind of insane activism stuff like we've already determined what the future is going to be so we're going to do as much as possible to intervene with everything else going on to make sure that we the things that we've already determined are going to happen will happen um scares the living daylights out of me it's also very um uh it's like a, a stab in the morale or you know it's, it's breaking morale as well to see it's like hey guys all this stuff kind of sucks why are we still doing it and they're like oh i don't know about that i'm gonna go to this award ceremony and get an award from bill gates and then put it up on the government website as the prime minister of japan and that's where this article comes to us from is the ministry of foreign affairs of japan Prime Minister Fumio Kishida receives the 2023 Global Goalkeeper Award. And I'll be posting pictures of Mr. Fumio Kishida and Bill Gates in the SDG Award on to MatthewPMBigelow.com. 
Uh, on September 20th, the Global Goalkeeper Award 2023 ceremony was held under the sponsorship of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and Mr. Kishida Fumio, Prime Minister of Japan, received the Global Goalkeepers Award 2023 for Japan's leadership focused on health at the G7 Hiroshima Summit and years of immense contribution to global health, among other reasons. The ceremony was attended by the co-chairs of the Gates Foundation, Dr. Bill Gates and Miss Melinda Gates, previously Mrs. They divorced. Um, and I, I'm not sure, but I haven't heard if it's connected to Bill Gates visiting Epstein Island um, a bunch of times. I don't know about, I don't know if those are connected. Some people say they are. I'm saying I don't even know. Um, the Prime Minister Kishida stated that, in particular, global health is an essential area for materializing human security. He added that at the G7 Hiroshima Summit in May this year, discussions on global health focus on developing and strengthening global health architecture for enhancing prevention. Now, this is directly from Klaus Schwab's um, COVID-19, The Great Reset, and Mr. Kishida and Klaus Schwab meet with each other, and in the book, The COVID-19, The Great Reset, it calls for an international... Um, virus monitoring club, essentially, where 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 they will be able to go into nations that are facing a, a, a threat of a virus and conduct operations there. Like a, instead of waiting for the chain of command to climb up to the WHO, the WHO via a globally connected virus response team network will be able to parachute into any country and begin conducting operations there. Um, so that's what that means. Global health architecture for enhancing prevention, um, contributing to achieving more resilient, equitable and sustainable universal health coverage and promoting health innovation. So the, the government of Japan is using terms like equity, equitable, um, global health, essential area for materializing human security, uh, parroting talking points from Klaus Schwab, and even this Japan Society 5.0, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, is the title of a book written by Mr. Klaus Schwab, who also wrote COVID-19, The Great Reset, and who is also the founder of the World Economic Forum. These people are thick as thieves, man. And um, they, they just, they continue their march. So if you're out there thinking that we're out of the woods or we, we, we can move on from everything, no, 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 no. Why would they let this go to waste? Why would people looking to integrate global connections in such a way to monitor us all, why would they let this go away? Um, and even remember, public health means surveillance. And I agree with a lot of it, but um, at the same time, the Bloomberg Center for Global Health is established by the Rockefeller Foundation. And it's really kind of like about controlling the plebes more so than making everybody healthy. But the main point from this um, Global Goalkeepers Award ceremony on the government of Japan's website is point number five, and it reads as follows. Prime Minister Kishida also stated that the private sector's further contribution, including from a financial aspect, is indispensable to solving global issues, including global health challenges, and that he hopes the Gates Foundation will continue to play an active role and the government of Japan wishes to work more closely with the Gates Foundation towards achieving the social development goals by 2030. Boom. 
So if you think that um, we're having any effect on the upper echelons of society, all the people in control and pulling the levers and stuff like that, we're not. <laughs> we're not at all. Um, people that uh, are kind of against this WEF movement are gaining traction, but we're mostly uh, out side of the system and kept outside of the system and uh, you know the purposefully so dr robert malone one of the key inventors of mrna technology is against all of this stuff and he's against the wef and he looks at it as a an encroaching techno fascist coup global coup and i agree completely why wouldn't you um Bill Gates is on record at a TED Talk saying we can use vaccines to reduce the global population by 15%. That's what he said with birth control. Um, and now his company is introducing vaccines. And ever since those vaccines were introduced, we're seeing excess mortality rates surge to levels not seen since World War II or even before. So... And then they give awards to each other. And so if you think that this is not a creepy death cult, you need to assume that these are people that kind of hate you and they lie to you. And when they say they want to create a circular economy and they're holding up an SDG award that is all about the economy um, and society and it's in the form of a circle, what they mean to say is that they are on board with the SDG agenda, whether you like it or not. They never really talk about the SDG agenda on their campaign trails, but they couch the language in it, but nobody's familiar with that language, so they just assume it's like um, politicians talk, like Amity Promises, but they're they're not empty promises. They're very serious about these goals that they have, and they really want you to be on the receiving end of these goals. They want to be in control of these goals, and they want to trickle down these goals to you. Um, I wonder what some of these uh, SDG wheel goals are. I'm going to look it up and uh, get back to you. Hold on a second. Okay, I have the wheel goals listed before me. No poverty by 2030. <laughs> Zero hunger by 2030. Good health and well-being by 2030. Uh, quality education worldwide by 2030. Gender equality by 2030. Clean water and sanitation by 2030. Affordable and clean energy by 2030. Decent work and economic growth by 2030. Industry innovation and infrastructure by 2030. Reduced inequalities by 2030 sustainable cities and communities by 2030 it goes on from there peace justice and strong institutions by 2030 so how can you know when we how can we do that there's no way to do that there is it's impossible it's it's like a list of it's like a christmas wish list by an 8 year old from santa claus and they want to take all of our tax dollars and fund these impossible goals and then tell us that that's what we need to do with our lives. These people are insane. I've downloaded um, goal 11, which was sustainable cities and uh, communities. And I wonder what that could mean. Hmm, hmm, we all know what it means. It's all ridiculous. So that's going to be the uh, end of Society 5.0 for today. Um, 
I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why we have this uh, level of douchebaggery going on in the upper echelons of society. But I think most people are uh, quite happy to see it, actually. So that's Japan Society 5.0. Get yourself an award and screw over your fellow man with Bill Gates. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. All right. Um, another thing that Japan is all in on is the war in Ukraine. Um, they keep trying to get in on the reconstruction effort. And according to Asahi.com, Asia and Japan watch, Ukraine looks to Shinkansen to build rails to Western allies. <laughs> this is all. It's all nuts. Ukraine is eagerly looking to Japan's super-safe Shinkansen system to bolster the war-torn nation's recovery from the devastation of the Russian invasion. <laughs> I wonder, can Japan go in there and create Shinkansens? Do you think so? Do you think that they're going to use, uh, the Mr. Zelensky is going to use some of the $120 billion, however much they've received from the U.S. State Department, to build Shinkansen's, uh, I wonder. Uh, this provides a ripe opportunity for Japan to publicize its high-speed train system as it has been stepping up efforts to export its railway technology abroad. Uh, not going to happen. The Chinese underwrite uh, you, Japan, and then sell the very similar technology that uh, China kind of lifted from Japan and then supplies that to other developing nations or war-torn nations. Uh, Jakarta and uh, Indonesia just launched a new high-speed rail train. Looks like it's pretty close to a Japanese Shinkansen, but it's not. It's a Chinese bullet train, and uh, that, that's where everything is. Um, uh, so I'm going to leave that there. So, you know, there's the war. Japan's thinking that they can sell Shinkansens to Ukraine. Not going to happen. Um, next one is Japan names 33 airports and ports to be upgraded for defense use. 33 is a is a, is a bing, bing, bing. When you, when you see the number 33 in war, it's a message of some sort. I don't know why, but the number 33 is like a, it's a weird, weird number. It's a very mysterious number, but it's used on purpose. Um, this has been reported on in the podcast for a few months now. And the idea is that if uh, China, the People's Liberation Army, Navy, uh, attacks Taiwan, the uh, United States will use Japan as a launch pad to conduct operations into the Taiwanese Strait. And then increasingly other nations being involved in this idea is uh, the Philippines as well. So you can um, have a, a northern approach into the Taiwanese Strait and a southern approach into the Taiwanese Strait and use that as like a pincer attack to pin in the People's Liberation Army of Taiwan into the Straits and uh, bomb the crap out of them and take over. 
but just this is, comes to us from the Nikkei. We're not going to read a lot of it. It's behind a paywall. Japan names 33 airports ports to be upgraded for defense use. The list of airports include Yonaguni, New Ishigaki, Miyako, and Naha in Okinawa Prefecture, as well as Kagoshima and Miyazaki in Kyushu and Kochi in Shikoku. These locations could serve as bases from which the ISDF could deploy troops and supply fuel and food in the event of a contingency in Taiwan. Um, so there's that. Japan's getting ready for war as well. Another really strange one is the amount of alliances that the Japanese government is making with like the uk and italy and germany like they all want to come over here just in case something happens but i'm not sure how that's gonna work it's a very odd um uh progression of events they're like hey we believe in democracy so why doesn't the german navy participate with the japanese navy in drills it's like hmm are you expecting the German Navy to come over here and what? Do what? What does the German Navy even do? Uh, they round up migrants in the Mediterranean and drop them off into Italy. That's about it. The government of Japan has been advancing coordination with the government of Germany towards the start of negotiations for a legal framework for facilitating joint activities between defense forces of both countries. To realize this framework is the Japan-Germany Acquisition of Cross-Servicing Agreement. The two governments will commence formal negotiations for the conclusion of the agreement. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's like a, But this comes to us from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Japan website, um, and I'll be linking it to MatthewPMBigelow.com. Um, the main one for today, though, comes to us. This is the uh, the Japan uh, Defense 2023 plan. Defense of Japan 2023. The, the SDF, the Ministry of Defense, and the Self-Defense Forces every year create like... Um, what priority list of what they want to do with the military for that year. And in recent years, they've been getting a lot more aggressive. Um, but when I was researching this document, uh, I was just looking for artificial intelligence, more or less. Um, some things come up, but not, not a lot. But what did come up led to something else that kind of shocked me a little bit. So this is just, uh, this comes to us from page 19 out of page 32, and this is um, trends concerning military science and technology that extend into information warfare and etc. It says science and technology and the creation of innovation are sources of Japan's economic and social development. Appropriate use of these technologies is essential not only for security, but also for addressing global scale issues such as climate change. Yeah, that's written in the Ministry of Defense project or, or booklet for this year. Countries are making efforts for the research, development, and military applications of artificial intelligence, quantum technology, next-generation information and communication technology, and other advanced, potentially game-changing technologies that could dramatically change the future character of warfare. It doesn't get too much into a lot of the details, but I was like, climate change? Another part that mentions AI is reinforcing defense production and technology basis as a virtually integral part of defense capability. Um, and it says science and technology are rapidly advancing and countries are developing cutting edge technologies that could become so-called game changers, which dramatically uh, alter the future character of warfare. In addition, the development of new technologies such as artificial intelligence 
or it's not a new technology, actually. It's been there for a while. But the recent expansion or the recent innovations in AI have expanded the character of warfare, not only in the ground, maritime, and air domains, but also in the space, cyberspace, and electromagnetic domains, including the cognitive dimension. The cognitive dimension. This could be um, electro uh, ECGs, um, electrocephalographs, is that what it means? Basically, the, the brain chips that they put in your brain that will connect to devices and allow you to control them remotely, which are going on. But they also mean information warfare. Or one thing that I mentioned yesterday was the ability and what even mentioning today AI and crime prevention use is um, identifying trends on social media or, um, or activating people using a threshold marker. This ties into what I was talking about last week would be um, well, if if the United States and Germany and Italy are coming to Taiwan's aid and the Japan is being used as a launch pad, well, if the People's Liberation Army in China can identify the encroaching or, you know, a, a movement of of heavily armed uh, allied or inter- ships allied with Japan and America coming towards China and and the People's Liberation Army believe that they're going to be under attack. Um, well, in order to interfere with Japan's ability to be used as a kind of a launch pad or a base for that, uh, they could employ the usage of North Korea, where um, the North Korean diaspora in Japan could be activated using social media or propaganda to go and attack uh, Japanese military bases or attack um, energy infrastructure within Japan. Um, that would be one of the reasons to use um, AI. And it's not like the AI would be brain chips inside of the North Koreans. Uh, it would be um, using a threshold level to determine whether um, such programs should be possibly launched or not, depending on how uh, tense the situation gets. So it's not only about um, using guns with AI or making uh, planes that automate with AI. It's also trying to use um, the kind of the social mood at that time, uh, amalgamating, scraping data from social media, uh, from the amount of you know positive or negative um, posts, and determining whether those are bots or not, whether they're real people or not. What's the stance between the officials and non-officials? Uh, you know, are there sympathies towards North Koreans and some more parts of the government? Could those people be targeted? Um, and then, of course, using the diaspora as a possible shock troop within Japan itself. Not a lot of people think about that. They uh, they only think about the guns and the ammo type of thing and the tits, but they don't really think about um, using the cognitive dimension of of a, of a heavily, heavily propagandized segment of society that exists in Japan, the North Korean diaspora, to be used as like um, as a as a real wrench in the, in 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 the war against uh, China. Should China invade uh, Taiwan and everybody comes to uh, its defense? By the way, I don't like referring to countries as her or she. Coming to her defense. She, her navy, she is the, it sounds, it's always been a bit weird to me. Uh, it's like, but probably separates me from a lot of elderly conservative types. I'm like, why would you call, it's not like a pronoun thing. We don't need to say Zier or Zim or Zexer, or it's like, oh, this country identifies as, um, 
as pansexual. <laughs> it's not one of those things. It's like, it's a country. Shouldn't it just be it? Uh, anyways, that is um, one of the key components here. And climate change is also mentioned in a few other parts of this um, war defense. This, what's it called again? I have it open on another browser here. This is called the Defense of Japan. What's it called? Yeah, Defense of Japan 2023, issued by the Ministry of Defense. And they are use they use climate change nine times in this 32-page document. Now, some of it's just repeated, but one section is called Impact of Climate Change on Security in the Military. Armed forces of many countries strive for resiliency in order to continue their activities regardless of climate change and also work on security crises arising from climate change diligently. So climate change is kind of, I don't believe in man-made climate change. I believe in pollution. Maybe there's heat islands that go into effect. That's certainly true. But this whole idea that like humans are altering the the entire, like, the planet and all these islands are going to drown or I just, I don't, I don't buy it anymore. I'm very skeptical. It's a scam. It's like, um, it's like a, it's like a tribal leader, like a, like one of those guys in the woods that in the jungle with bones in their faces and like a, a cup, a skull full of bones and they shake the bones and they throw the bones under the dirt and they say, ooga booga, if you don't eat five lizards, your son will get a disease. It's something like that. Like it's this weird, it's this weird tribal mentality. It's like the scientists with their, with their graph and their chart and they say, ooga, hey, you're a bad because you, you look at what you're doing to these people. You better do everything that we tell you to do. Otherwise, they're going to die. It's this real kind of threat mentality behind it. So even though like, even though you wouldn't think that the Japanese self-defense forces would, would be in on the climate change thing. Well, the leader of Japan's accepting SDG goals from Bill Gates at the moment as well. So it is like that over here right now. It's all like that over here right now. That's where the country is going and there's no going back. I mean, like it's gone that way. Another part of this comes to us on page 29 of page 32, responding to climate change and environmental issues. This is the, the defense of Japan. Uh, this is the that 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 fable of the of the king who wants to stop the tide. So it's like we're gonna just put sandbags onto the beach and then we'll be fine. It's not fine because it's beyond human control. Let's be honest about it here. This is the big boy table, and you're welcome to put on your big boy pants and have a conversation about it and not scream around like children. It is inevitable that the issue of climate change, including responses to future energy shifts, will have an even greater impact on the future of self-defense operations and Ministry of Defense operations, including various plants, facilities, and defense equipment, as well as the security environment surrounding Japan. The Japan has long com complied with environmental laws and regulations and has made efforts to thoroughly conserve the environment and reduce environmental impact. In August 2022, the Ministry of Defense and the Self-Defense Forces formulated the Ministry of Defense Response Strategy on Climate Change, which outlines strategic measures for the Ministry of Defense to address climate change. Going forward, the MOD will promote concrete measures to combat the impacts of climate change based on this strategy. So 
there you go. Uh, climate change is uh, heavily, not heavily, but it's prominently featured in the 2023 Defense of Japan paper published in English by the Ministry of Defense. I'll be publishing the link to at uh, MatthewPMBigelow.com. So, again, um, a lot of people don't even, th- they, well, most people who even are in on this space, and I, I guess I'm in on this space now, when they think about Japan, they just think like, oh, peaceful society, polite people, um, hard workers, um, rich culture, samurai, and even a lot of those tropes are kind of dying out. But these new tropes that are coming in uh, don't even don't even register with anybody around the world. But I've been looking into it for the past year, and each time I look into it, it's like a, a jar full of snakes that pop out like a joke at a party or something like that. Like I've opened up a broom closet, and all of a sudden these brooms are starting to fall all over me and there's like a wet mop and it hits me in the face and I'm like did you guys see that and everyone's like no we're too busy watching anime we're too busy not taking things seriously because we're busy I'm like okay I get it I get it but okay I was just hit in the face with a mop I could at least think it's kind of amusing and I think that's gonna be it for today's show I gotta play the outro for the war Die for the war, everybody moves. Die for the good, for the good. Die for the war, die for the war. And we'll do bugs quickly. I'm gonna eat all the bugs. Okay, you're just gonna eat them one at a time, though, okay? Okay. I got one. I got one. I'm gonna go catch that one. You'll finish the one that you have in your mouth first. All right. And just like with the bug thing, um, it's it's also increasing with the SDG initiatives and all of that. And the way it typically works in Japan is that they say your your culture used to eat bugs. It's part of your culture. So you're going to eat bugs again. But instead of rooting around in the river looking for bugs, we're going to make a factory that produces um, crickets and we're going to ground them into powder and include them into kind of everything for your meals because of uh, food sustainability means you will be taken care of and you'll get the bugs and you're going to eat the bugs. And everyone's like, what? And people try it and they're like, it's kind of good, but I don't know. It never sells well, but they keep pushing it. By they, I mean like the SDG crowd. This comes to us from um, Chugai Nippo, um, a Japanese website, and I use ChatGPT to translate it. We won't go too much into it, but it is insect consumption on the rise, uh, pursuing sustainability and food culture. Um, As the trend of consuming dishes made from insects gains momentum, 88.7% of those who have tried insect-based cuisine responded positively, stating that it was delicious. By the way, if you ask a Japanese person if anything that they're eating is delicious, they'll say, yes, it's delicious. They can't say no. Very few people, 0.02%. Furthermore, around 60% anticipate the widespread adoption of uh, insect consumption in Japan in the future. This is the propaganda and the the periphery vision of, of the media that they're always inundated with. These findings stem from a tasting survey conducted last year by the Tokyo University of Agriculture's Biorobotics Laboratory, which focuses on edible insects in the context of sustainable development goals. I didn't even read it this much, and I've already kind of outlined it previously. Tokyo University of Agriculture Biorobotics Laboratory, that's no joke. It, it, this isn't like some person in the woods. 
you know, these are, these are serious people. In light of global food crises and concerns, insects are gaining attention as the next generation food source, with practical applications advancing in Japan as well. However, while there are benefits such as minimal environmental impact, there are also challenges and lingering aversions, making it uncertain whether uh, insect-based cuisine will be embraced on a broad scale akin to traditional Japanese cuisine. The aforementioned tasting survey featured dishes like deep-fried crickets and cookies containing cricket powder, known as land shrimp salamino. <laughs> Thank you, translator. According, they can't even make it sound delicious. According to reports, various insect-based foods made from creatures such as cicadas, grasshoppers, and bees are already available in the market. Some restaurants even offer dishes like crepes made with aquatic insect caddisfly meat or noodles infused with crickets. Uh, however, it is undeniable that there are still people who might refuse to eat these dishes, and it goes on from there. Oh, this is the part where it gets into the tradition. In Japan, there has long been long-standing tradition of consuming insects, such as locusts. The act of consuming living creatures as part of the food is, con is a cornerstone of cultural significance. However, the expansion of food tech, including genetic motivation driven by economic efficiency and profit motives, as well as the high-tech and industrialization of agriculture and fisheries under the banner of food security, poses a significant threat to traditional food cultures rooted in a connection with nature and the livelihoods of those who practice them. Um, anyways, it goes on from there. So, yeah. Uh, what, but these these foods of, like, turning crickets into powder and putting them into bread, that's nobody's tradition. That's nobody's tradition. They always invert it. They come at you with, like, a historical, emotional reason to get you to go along with it. And then I think they feed you it. And then they kind of go back to their their factories and they say can you believe that people are eating this and telling us this delicious this stuff is disgusting as they probably eat a bunch of ribeye steaks and wash it down with like a half dozen ipas and before like smoking a cigar and looking out over a balcony with the sun setting behind the mountains and they go uh, after this let's eat some more steak and drink some more beers of course that's what they do it's what anybody would do eat the bugs I'm gonna eat all the bugs. Okay, you're just gonna eat them one at a time though, okay? Okay. I got one. I got one. I'm gonna go catch that one. You'll finish the one that you have in your mouth first. All right, and that's going to leave us for today. Remember to go to MatthewPMBigelow.com to get all the links, the photos, donation ideas. We are part of the Podcasting 2.0 infrastructure. Look up what that is. Get out of your legacy apps. Uh, Podver not, Podverse is what I use and CurioCaster and Fountain. There are others, but um, Google and has just gotten rid of their Podcaster player. Um, they always do that. Uh, YouTube is trying to do it, but they always incorporate as many people as they can and then ban the ones that they disagree with. And Spotify is probably going to be doing the same. So pod podcasting apps like Podverse or CurioCaster are ways to get around the censorious nature of big tech. And I'm trying to promote that as well. So go there for that. Um, you can also use it to make Bitcoin micropayments, get a get Albi wallet, figure out how to boost your favorite podcasters and send them some value for value. And other than that, thank you for listening to the Japan What Podcast. You found it from the back end of Tokyo, the armpit of Asia. This has been the Japan What Podcast. Matthew PMBigelow.com. The armpit of Asia. 
じゃあまたねえ。